Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to, to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman. And uh, this morning we have this Andrew Fromm. And he's from the firm of uh, Brooks Wilkins, uh, Sharkey, and Turco. Good, good to have you, Andrew. Morning, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. Um, so to kick off the show here, latte with a lawyer. What's your uh, morning beverage of choice? So I'm a light roast guy with uh, a little bit of almond milk, and this is from a, a local place in town called Beyond, which has great, good coffee, good food. So try and support the lo the local people. Oh, nice. Wait, so where are you located? We are uh, just outside of Detroit, Michigan. We're in a, a small town called Birmingham. Um, and uh, the nice part about Birmingham is there are a lot of, it's easy to walk and a lot of good restaurants right near our office. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I know uh, I know Detroit pretty well. I traveled out there for a couple of years uh, a long time ago for business, so I got to know it. All the nice uh, suburbs around the city. Uh, Birmingham, one of them. Yes, right, yes. Yeah. a lot of good shopping. So, uh, good place to stay if you're in town um, in Detroit on business. Got it. Yeah, you don't um, want to be in. Well, maybe downtown has changed. I think it has finally. It has. It's 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 exciting. It's um, there's just a ton of stuff going on there in the last seven years or so. Um, so downtown's oh, a perfectly great place to stay, and you'll have a great time. Oh, good. What, what's driving the growth? I mean, listen, I know they started a long time ago, the whole Renaissance Center, et cetera. What's driving the growth these days? You know, I think there's been a push to diversify Detroit um, from automotive. You probably know yep. automotive is king here. I'm in on the automotive space, but there's a lot of other industries um, and technology companies that have come in and uh, taken advantage of, you know, the, the cheaper rents and then the, uh, the quality of, of engineering people and, and workers here in the area. Um, and then uh, a guy named Dan Gilbert, who you've probably heard of, has uh, invested a ton in, into, into the downtown area. So it really is, if you haven't, if you haven't visited in, in I'd say the last 10 years, I think yeah. you'd be very surprised. It's, it's a different city. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. I, I, you, is your work related to some of that growth that's happening? Um. You know, a lot of our clients are international. Uh, our firm uh, represents primarily tier one automotive suppliers. That's kind of a, um, a world onto its own if you don't know automotive, but these are companies that are uh, technology, engineering companies, manufacturing companies, and uh, the tier ones are primarily global companies um, with with offices and operations all over the world. So a lot of our clients are are, you know, based in other parts of the world but uh, obviously detroit is a key market with a ton of, of manufacturing going on here and the north american we call them oems but ford yeah. chrysler they're all here oh sure i'm trying to think of the big one there i mean i used to know that industry pretty well because I, I worked in the uh, in the real estate business years ago and we had local developers on 18 mile um in troy and uh give me some of the who are, who are some of your clients give me some of the big names um, so um, Continental Automotive is okay. a, a big client in the firm, uh, ZF, 
um, Magna Powertrain. These are these are big global companies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we have a um, my partner Dan has a list on our website of all of our clients. Okay. Um, and and there's a lot of companies that you haven't heard of just because they're not U.S. companies, but they're, uh, you know, they're they're in the um, manufacturing space. Okay, got it. So okay, so talk talk more about your practice, like what you do day to day, typical kind of casework you do. Sure. So I I'm a litigator by trade. Um, so um. Uh, that means primarily helping clients resolve disputes in court or arbitration or mediation, which is outside of court. Um, but I'll say, so I've been practicing for, you know, be going on 15 years this this next year. Um, within the last 10 years or so, just because of my background and and resolving complex disputes, I'm now working on a lot of transactional issues and and uh, negotiating contracts for clients. So uh, helping clients um, manage their risk going forward has become a bigger part of my practice. And I really enjoy that um, because you're not just fighting about uh, a big problem or a mess that needs to be cleaned up. You're actually thinking strategically and, and helping people uh, manage risks. And that's been very rewarding. So I have a, um, a pretty diverse practice and it's also yeah. global in nature. So I'm in this little office in Birmingham, Michigan, um, but, but I'm able to travel um, throughout the world and, and also have clients throughout the world. So that has been very rewarding and also learning and, and being able to work with different people and cultures uh, has been something that I've really enjoyed um, in my practice. Oh, interesting. So what countries, like where, where are you going for? your work? Um, I've had uh, issues in uh, Germany um, and in Switzerland. Uh, we've had a number of um, clients in Japan. Uh, and the disputes aren't necessarily centered there, but we're, we're working with those clients to help manage their risks in the U.S. So um, it is a U.S.-focused practice. Um, uh, but I also work on international contracts and the principles are generally the same. The risks are the same. So we, we pair with uh, other lawyers in that jurisdiction and, um, and help the client uh, navigate those uh, with the assistance of, of those lawyers who understand the nuances of local law, just like um, we do here for clients. Let's say we have a Japanese client. Um, they'll want to understand uh, Michigan law. So we'll work with their lawyers on that. Got it. Yeah. So what, give me, like, give me an example of some of the, uh, the risks that you're managing for these firms. What does that mean? Well, um, so right now, um, EV is a very hot space in the automotive industry. Uh, a lot of our clients are uh, partnering and, and doing business with EV companies. And EV is, is a new technology and a lot of new uh companies and ventures have entered into the market that are untested. And I, what, what I mean by that is um, if you have a an OEM like a Mercedes-Benz or a General Motors, they've been around in business for over 100 years, sure. they're very stable. You generally know that you're not going to have a lot of financial risk if you uh, start to do business with them. The EV space is almost the exact opposite. It, it, there's a lot of companies that are here one day, gone tomorrow. Um, uh, in some cases, they have a huge capital infusion, either in the market or through lenders. And then, you know, they're burning through that cash because they're doing so much R&D. So contracts with those 
companies just carry a lot of risk because if you're the if you're the company actually building the parts, sourcing the parts, you're carrying a lot of inventory risk. So you want to make sure that you're going to get paid for the parts that you buy and yeah. the things that you make. And so those risks are 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 very complex when you have a you know a, a large contract that has a number of subcontracts or development work if you're doing systems integration um so it gets it gets very complex and then part of the problem is making sure that uh your customer is going to pay you and how they're going to pay you and and having some protections in place uh, so that you're not left um holding the bag so that's let's say the last year I've really devoted a lot of time to that and um that's something that I enjoy so okay yeah. so so that's more transactional right i mean you're yes. as a con uh, there's collateralized or there's unsecured um some are unsecured uh some of our clients are now working to um uh to have some further protections rather than just um you know a cash in advance arrangement which is how most of the industry works right so most of the industry you if if, if jonathan you have your you know your company jonathan brinkman um widgets you're gonna generally get paid you know, in 60, 75 days, sometimes maybe longer, and you're going to have the risk uh, that yeah, right. in that period, you're going to actually get paid on everything you've invested in the company. Yep, exactly. Which, yeah, I would, yeah. And, and most of this stuff too. I mean, is it just in time as well? Most of this, the supply work? Yeah, so so most of the supply base is just in time. Um, COVID and the um, the last, you know, two and a half years, of raw material shortages and semiconductors and labor issues and governmental regulations has uh, impacted the industry a little bit where we're seeing more onshoring back to mm -hmm. North America. 10 years ago, uh, we, I was working on everything going out of North America to lower cost countries. Um, so, not, so we're seeing that reverse a little. We're also seeing a little bit of, a, uh, I'll use the term redundancy, even though that's not probably the right term, but uh, you know, backup plans and alternatives because during COVID, you had a lot of companies that were shipping automotive components by plane. And that's just not, that's not sustainable for a business. I mean, you know how expensive it is to, to fly to Europe or Japan. You can imagine sure. a part full of, uh, a plane full of parts yeah. and doing that, you know, two, three times a day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, so, so all that's changing and that creates a lot of opportunities and a lot of need for or lawyers like me who who understand this space and 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 the risks involved. Yeah. So with with the chips build past and all those dynamics, we're, we're seeing manufacturing moving back here onshore. Uh, you, you know, yeah, I'm seeing that on a, on a on a anecdotal level. Um, I yeah. haven't I haven't looked at the data, but um, you know, the, the, what I've been reading suggests that that is the case. Uh, in North America, I'm including Mexico in that. Mexico is, sure. is, a, is a very uh, key country for manufacturing. Uh, and yeah, I is, that, is that increasing? I hope. I mean, I, I don't think we've taken advantage of that as much as we should have. As um, it, it's sort of it's it's been it's been developed now. Um, I'm still seeing development. I'm working with clients who are who are building uh, plants down there, uh, you know, as we speak. So I'm still seeing. Uh, investment going in there. I'm also seeing a lot of investment back into North America, back into, I'll say, the United States of America, yeah. Michigan, um, what you call the Rust Belt states. Uh, 
Judd, it's gray here. So I'm hopefully it's sunny down in Florida where you I'm are. in South Florida. It's always we sunny a, here. We have another great day here. Yeah, no, um, no, yeah. But it, it's good for the economy, you know. It, it's creating jobs. These are good, these are good jobs. Um good. I, I've always been excited about companies that make things. It's it's sort of I don't know if I'm just a simple guy, but it's easy for me to understand. It's not like Bitcoin or, or crypto where I, I have trouble understanding it. The, I can uh, see it. I can see, you know, the the engineers in the lab working on it. I can see yeah. the prototypes. And then uh, you get to see that to the final product. So I I don't know. I, I kind of like um, I like the space that I'm in and it's, it's, it's exciting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it only makes sense to retool, you know, these old line manufacturing workers and industries to the new economy right so that's 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 exciting to hear that i mean that's what should have that should have been happening but you know macroeconomics move very slowly for these yeah. things to transition it just moves real slow <laughs> very slow right yes. so i you were in economics i see i was looking at your background i right? so, I, I will geek out with you on economics jonathan i um <laughs> you know i i sort of I probably should have gone to business school when I was in college and, and econ was the closest thing that I could find in arts and sciences. And right. uh, uh, it, it's funny because I, I was interviewing on all of these investment banks and I always came down to, well, you know, we like you, but you don't have the finance degree. And I said, well, I can read a 10 K too. Anyone can just can read a 10 K. You don't have to have a finance degree, but anyway, uh, went a different different route so it worked out okay yeah yeah no I, I've always been fascinated by by economics um, um I took a lot of it as a student and uh and then I did I did get an MBA but um in fact I was an engineering undergrad and I took engineering economics I remember but I always loved economics I find it fascinating so I I, I agree with you yeah and I saw you were a you're a Boston guy where did you go to to college um, I, I well, I went to and probably a lot of the engineers in in the Detroit area. I went to Carnegie Mellon okay. to get an engineering degree, and I went to graduate school in Boston at Northeastern. I got an MBA. Great. Great town. Yeah, yeah. So you you went to Boston College. How, how'd you make the How'd you make that decision to switch from, you know, economics to law? Um. Well, my dad my dad is a lawyer, and uh, I so I kind of grew up. Um really having access to the law and, and his friends and I saw what he did. And but what I mean by that is when I was, you know, six years old, I would go into the office with him on a Saturday and he would do a couple hours work and I would be playing, you know, with my toys in the corner. Sure. But then I would run into his coworkers. So I, I kind of felt like I had that understanding of what a lawyer could be. And I didn't um when I was exploring other professions, I just I had a hard time with numbers. I'm I'm not really a numbers guy. Economics. I mean, that's all. I know, I know, but I, but economics is more of a theory and more of a a big picture. I, I I didn't really enjoy accounting and some of those okay those other courses that you need. So I, you know, it, it kind of came. I looked at the law again. Was that when I was in college, and it just just interests me. And I uh, that's kind of what I did. So um, I can't say that I that's the best way to make a decision, but um, it's one way. Yeah, <laughs> it's not unusual. I mean, lots of people make decisions that way too. What kind of law did you uh, dad practice? Similar. So he was um, uh, a corporate attorney, and he was in house at General Motors um, his whole career, which is pretty unusual. Wow. Um, and um, 
you know, I went to, I went a different route because I've, I've always been in private practice. I've always been in litigation and I, I didn't plan on going into litigation, but I, I had the opportunity to clerk at the U S attorney's office when I was in law school. And, um, one day, one of the, one of the AUSAs said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to prosecute these two cases? And I said, okay, sure. And it was, it was like someone went to the post office and I don't know, they had a weapon on them. It, it was something really minor. I think right. the other person had a marijuana offense back when that was, um, well, in Michigan it's legal, but it, I guess it's still federally illegal. And long story short, I, 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 I got to stand up in court and I, you know, prosecute, prosecuted. I, I basically read, you know, their charges and then they, they pled guilty, but it was so exciting to me. And it was so, I felt like I was actually doing something and not just, you know, pushing paper around. So that, so I totally changed my classes that I was taking and that led me to litigation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And uh, did, did you have a program for, um, you know, m um, mock trials and, you know, was that part of the curriculum at, at your law school? Yeah. So I took, once I decided to go the litigation route, I took all of the litigation courses I could do evidence and, um, you know, okay. advanced evidence classes, trial theory and practice. And then I had the opportunity to work at Kirkland and Ellis in Chicago, and they have an excellent trial training program. I mean, they have, oh, sure. they base it off of the NIDA program, which is what all the federal prosecutors go to. Uh, and they, they just put a lot of resources and thought and planning into it. So I did that every year I was there and that was phenomenal. Um, and, uh, you know, that it's very hard to get to, to, to a trial these days. I've been so close, but I've settled you know, a month out usually is, is the pressure point where the party, yeah. it's the go, no go time. Um, because you're prepping and you're prepping. So uh, hopefully soon we'll have one. Okay, good. You're looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So you haven't done a jury trial yet? I have not. No. Okay. So most most of the cases that I do with, with corporate, comp with you know, business entities, uh, the parties usually end up settling just because it's so expensive sure. to, to, to go to trial. And a lot of clients... Uh, come to the view that a negotiated settlement is something much better than a judge or a jury deciding their fate. And that's part of the practice too. I will say though, I, um, being in the automotive space, I do, I get to, to prosecute cases as well for companies that are the plaintiff. So I, I do get that, you know, both sides of the coin under understanding these are, I'm working for corporations, but, but that's a fun part two because you get to go on the offensive you're not just playing defense right now i can see you're like you're you can't wait to do that you, maybe you need to switch to the plaintiff side you get to be on offense <laughs> i don't know after, after <laughs> so many years i don't know that i could <laughs> so many years you don't even have gray hair yet come on yeah, you're, a you're, couple young. Yeah. <laughs> you're a young guy you got you got plenty of time so you were a swimmer i'm looking at your background that what what was your um stroke what'd you swim so um I vision was, one that's big time yeah I, I i was a breaststroker um and in, in high school you kind of have to to do everything in college you get to specialize so they, they um when i was at boston college we had different stroke co uh, coaches so sure. i just swam breaststroke for the most part um but that that was a great experience just being part of a team a collegiate oh my, that's team well one. first of all division one swimming is no joke i mean what was your time uh, like a minute? No, around a minute, minute I no, assume. No, no, not in breaststroke. No. no. Um, 
Uh, and, but it, it, what I didn't realize then is it's just, it just prepared me for my career because yeah. so much of what we do, and I listened to some of your podcasts, so I, I think people have a similar sentiment about this. There's a lot of just grinding it out as a lawyer. There's a lot of, you know, your, your day-to-day isn't necessarily that rewarding or exciting, but it's those, it's those opportunities to compete and, and have that championship feeling right. where you, if you're in litigation, you either win or you lose. Or you you have a deal that you complete if you're a corporate attorney, um, but that's I think that's really helped my career and helped me um, manage some of the the stress of being a lawyer. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm a big. I, I think you know in business, sports translates very well to business, right? You learn how to work as a, with a team. It's competitive, right? I I agree 100. percent And yeah. I think that team aspect aspect is so important. Um, I, I've, I've gravitated towards the, the bigger, the bigger issues, the, the sort of the bigger problems, um, the clients with the sophisticated legal in-house legal department, because there you're really working as a team, you're working together, you all have your own roles. It's, it's, if, if I think of it as a swim meet, everyone's got to go out and do their thing, but it comes together and then you win. And I've just, I just enjoy that more than you know, working on a smaller case where you're just the only person working on it and you kind of feel like you're a one-man shop. Uh, it, you know, it working on, on bigger issues and as a part of a team comes with its own set of challenges, but it's also, I find, very rewarding. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Everyone has a different personality. Some people, you know, do things like to be, a, you know, lone rangers. Other people are team people. So you got to find your spot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So in an ideal world, like what would be the ideal, like case you would work on like what would be the most interesting case you could have um well i've i've had the benefit of working on just a wide variety of cases and i think that's another thing that's really benefited my career is i've i've done these cases where you have multiple fatalities um people are injured i've done class actions i've done uh you know business disputes so i have a wide a wide you know toolbox i'll call it but my most interesting cases more recently are these these very so in automotive if, if you think about you're you're going to sell a part to someone that part is going to be on over a million vehicles sure no matter what it is so when there's a problem with that part the cost to you let's say let's say you're selling to me i would come to you and say hey jonathan i need a check for you know 500 million dollars because i had to replace all these parts so I so I do a lot of work on their their warranty cases and they're they're usually not filed in court they're usually settled outside of court either through mediation or arbitration um those are the most for me right now those are the most fun and the most interesting uh, because the stakes are high the dollars are high there it's high visibility with the, with the client at the CEO level at the C-suite level um and taking a big problem like that and, and resolving it for the client, I, I found that to be the most fun and the most rewarding. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So I, I, I had a, um, you may may have listened to it recently. I had a, a Lemon Law attorney. Oh, I don't think yeah, I- On I, the I, other I, side I, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you're that, defending, well, you're defending those cases, yeah. right? Um, I don't have any Lemon Law cases. So Lemon Law is, is sort of a nuance of California and, and it's it's really got okay. a control. 
Um, I usually get involved in those cases when people want discovery from my clients. Um, I have been involved in class actions, lemon law class actions before. Sure. The cases I do now are mostly um, business to business disputes. So those cases will be a part of it. And now if you think of it as everyone had a dinner and now you're trying to sort out the bill. So that's what I'm working on is sorting out the bill. For Got everyone. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. Um, so you're, you're happy where you are. You're doing the kind of law that you like and you're in Detroit. You're from Detroit. I, I gather. I'm from Detroit and I, um, I, uh, it, you know, we talked about the BC thing, but um, I went to a Jesuit high school in Detroit. It was, a, it was an all male high school. And um, I remember what was the high school. What was it? It was it's called school? U of D Jesuit. Okay. Yeah. And here we, well, they, call the, we call it the high, which is, uh, you know, it just shows you how, how the alumni think of the school, but we call it the high, which is kind of funny because there's yeah, that is funny. Of high schools in Detroit, sure. in, in the Metro Detroit area. And we had uh, more priests then than there are now, but um, Father Torino, I remember him saying, you're not going to go to a, a public college, you're going to go to a Jesuit school. And yeah. so I, looking at him, I, I really wanted to to go to school in Boston because I had traveled there as a kid with my family and I just loved the city. Right. And BC was a great fit for me. So so that, so that anyway, my Jesuit high school took me to a Jesuit college in Boston. That's how I there got you it. There you go. Well, you know, if you're a Bostonian, the coveted uh, triple eagle. You know about that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you, 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 I mean, that, that's like if if you're a good, uh, you know, Catholic kid from Boston, which I grew up with, um, you go to you go BC High, Boston College, and then go to law school, or 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 you know, business school. But yeah, right. you, you go to all three. So yeah, you uh, wait, but you where'd you go to law school? That's not a Jesuit school, obviously, Indiana. No, so I went to Indiana. I. I, you know, when I, when I took the LSAT, I, I was, I was just below where I thought I needed to be to get into BC law. Okay. And I, well, that would have been your first choice. What about my, oh, of course, but okay. I did want to get rejected and then hold a grudge because, you know, everyone thinks of their undergrad in, in fond terms. I didn't want to say, sure. oh, you know, and um, so I was looking at other schools in, in New England and 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 schools, really good schools in the Midwest, one of them being Indiana. And it sort of was a no-brainer for me once I looked at it. Um I I Bloomington is a fantastic town, a great college town. Oh yeah, sure. Um the law school is a, a phenomenal law school. And it was it was a very reasonable back then, um, and probably so now for for a public, you know, a top 25 law school. Yeah, I would think it would be a lot less expensive than going to BC for sure yeah and then um you know in terms of the market it, iu uh sent a lot of kids to chicago which is where i went so mm -hmm. i feel like i, I kind of fell into a lot of things fortuitously but it it all you know it all worked out um i met my wife in chicago she happened to be from the detroit area as well so we decided to move back here which is not uncommon sure um and you know be, being born and raised in Detroit. It's, it's a great, I think Detroit is a great place to raise a family. Um, there's, I wish I could say great sports teams, but you have sports teams, you have, you know, phenomenal colleges, oh, you have sure. skiing up North in the winter. Um, 
tons of things to do outdoors here. So. I've skied up there in the winter before. I lived in Chicago oh. for three years and I've skied at Boyne, believe it or not. Boyne, Boyne is great. Nice, Love nice Boyne. spot. Yes. Yeah, very. In fact, our our kids learned how to ski there at a very young age. So they are, they are. Oh, that's great. It's beautiful yeah. up there. I've gone on golf trips there, like in the summer. It's gorgeous. Like some of the nicest golfing I've ever seen in northern Michigan. It's beautiful. And yeah, in the summer, too. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's everyone, place. everyone in Michigan, I shouldn't say everyone, but many people go up north in the summer. And it's kind of, especially in the automotive, where you have these shutdown periods because the plants need to retool for the next model year um, or they need to you know, conduct maintenance. People just go up north for a week or two and it's 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 accepted in the way in Europe where it's accepted that you know people will be out of the office in August. It's right. kind of a Michigan thing um, that I that I think is really cool. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. So um curious uh, technology. Um how do you guys leverage technology in your practice? Uh, we're always looking for new technology. Um, so our shop, we have 20 attorneys, which sure. in the US, I think you'd agree that's a that's a small shop. In Europe, yeah. it's funny, I tell clients in Europe that and their their reaction is, wow, that's a big law firm. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I recognize that the, the law is just different in, in Europe and, and the lawyer's role and a whole bunch of things are different. Right. Um, but it is a small law firm. We do compete with all of the national firms and and usually there is a large law firm on the other side with a big name and unlimited resources. So to be successful and to compete, we have to leverage technology. Um I would say primarily where I use technology is in the e-discovery uh part of my career. Um Discovery is, is so expensive. You, you know that. Oh, and sure. um, it's something that clients don't want to pay for. It's sort of a necessary evil of litigation in the U.S. But um, as a litigator, you, you, you know, to, 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 to understand a case and to, to, to review and to, to digest some cases, millions of pages of documents, you can you you can't it used to be the case where you would go through one by one and, or uh when i was at a big firm you would have 20 associates, associates. Yeah. you divide them up and each you know each person is doing 100,000 documents we can't do that so what we're doing is using technology to help us find the documents that are really key to the case the smoking yeah. gun we'll call them and um to to organize those for depositions so i think that's the that's a place where I'm always looking for help because I don't have a team of associates to help me. Uh, okay. You, but um, w w without without the AI things and the uh, you know the search functionality yeah. and some of the vendors, uh, the good news is I think the vendors are competing with each other, so they're constantly getting better. Well, there are loads of them, right? There's I mean there's a ton of them, and and it's it's funny. It seems like everyone you know. Now, now you when you retire, what do you do? You open up your own ESI company, um, and you charge a little bit less data hosting fee than. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there, there's a ton of options, um, but. I, Have you, you know. played around with this recent uh, Chat GPT? No, I haven't. Oh man, you have to look at that, Chat GPT. You're gonna like this as a lawyer. Check, check it out. I mean, it's just, I mean, when you talk about AI and like, you know, creating 
big efficiencies instead of you know doing manual stuff i mean that's on the other side it's on the composition side but um a little bit on resource too but it's you know i, I think we're still at the at the beginning early innings of like what ai is going to do when you're coming through lots of documentation and producing documents i think so too and one interesting thing is um i had a case recently where um the ai wasn't using the file something as simple as the file name of the document which is something that people usually change yeah if you're on your computer you know you're going to send a document you'll usually say all right this is jonathan brinks brinkman's draft of this date and this is you know xyz document yep. to me that that has invaluable information you know rather than just searching the text i want to see what the document names are sure um and so i was working with a company and they, the ai wasn't focused in on that but i feel like we're we're very close where it can it can be smarter it can it can take into account those factors um and then it's going to just keep getting better yeah yeah it, no no question about it um so anyway just just to wrap it up here um what do you want to leave with the audience about your firm and the best way to connect with you if they want to learn more uh well you can always reach out to to me my my emails from at bwst-law.com it's a little mm -hmm. cumbersome but it's like best but with a w as i say um I, i'm always happy to talk to young lawyers because i i think it's hard for a young lawyer to to figure this profession out and and to understand how to drive their career and what they should be doing and associates especially i think there's um there's fewer lawyers um it, it, it's just harder to find your way. And I'm happy to to talk with people about that. Um, I, I felt like I had the the luck of some really great training and some really great mentors that took me aside and said, hey, look, this is what you need to do. Or, hey, you're doing this. You got to stop doing that. You need to to look at this. And um, uh, I, I, I just think that's key because to tell someone that you have to work hard to be successful that no one really knows what that means. I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. Um, but delivering value and, and teaching people how to communicate with everything from the blue collar guy, you know, at the plant to the CEO, you have to learn all that and put it all together and you have to do it quickly. So um, I, I'm, I, I hope, I hope that I'm being good mentor to our associates and I'm happy to talk with people uh, especially those that are interested in, in the law, because I think there's so many different opportunities and so many different things you can do with a law degree and even uh, your career as a lawyer. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Good stuff. And obviously people can find you on your website. Yes. Okay, good. All right. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Um, a BC guy, now back in the Midwest, Andrew Fromm with um brooks wilkins sharky and turco those are always hard i always have to read those because it it, it is hard it yeah <laughs> it, it's a it's a mouthful yeah yeah for sure although that's a little bit easier than some but uh, anyway this is a this is sponsored by emotion track which is a legal tech platform that helps litigators prepare for mediation and trials anyway thanks a ton it was good spending time with you andrew thanks for having me jonathan you bet